0: your bibles with you would you open them please to the book of philippians some months ago we began a sermon series through this letter by the apostle paul to the church at philippi this morning we are concluding this series and we're actually going back and looking at a couple of verses i kind of glossed over as we were moving through them but i think it's important i spend some time with these two verses not because I know something you don't know. Not because I'm trying to uh, stop something before it happens. I just think we ought to look at this, these verses this morning. The title of our message is Getting Along. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. The words of the greatest Christian man who ever lived, Paul the Apostle, as I said earlier, writing to the church at Philippi, concerning a matter at hand, the words of the Apostle Paul, also writing to Miles Road Baptist Church to instruct us how to handle this issue if it ever comes into our lives or our church. Philippians 4, beginning with verse 2, I beseech Eodius, I beseech Syntyre that they will be of one mind in the Lord. I entreat you also, true yoke help these two women which labored with me in the gospel to get along. I also remember Clement and other fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. The story is told of six men who got stranded on a desert island. But they were religious men, and they wanted a place to worship. Two of those men were Jewish. And they got together, and they built for themselves a church they call Temple Emmanuel. Two of the men were Catholics. They got together and they built them a church on this desert island that they would call the Church of the Holy Island. The last two men were likewise religious, they were Baptists, but they couldn't get along. They fussed and fought like cats and dogs but they needed a place to worship. So they built First Baptist Church and Second Baptist Church. (laughs) I don't know if the church at Philippi was a Baptist church or not, but I can tell you this, it had conflict in its congregation. The conflict stemmed from two women who would not, who could not get along. And because of their conflict, the growth of the church was being threatened. Because of their conflict, the possibility of the church being destroyed was very real. And so, Paul, upon hearing about this conflict, taking place on the church that he established and planted and helped to build. Paul understanding that whenever you have conflict in the church, the devil is involved. The devil has a philosophy. It's divide and conquer. And so whenever you see division in a church, particularly when the division is not based on something ethical or moral or legal or biblical. I can assure you, O Slewfoot, is in the shadows with a big grin on his face, encouraging it. Now let's think for just a moment about the two individuals that are involved in this conflict. And And Paul's not picking on our ladies, He could have just as well picked on two deacons if they were doing it. Or two men. Or two Sunday school teachers. Gender has nothing to do with conflict. But in this case, the conflict is between two women. He says, I beseech Eodius, I beseech Syntech. Now let's talk about these two women for just a moment and see if we can kind of get an idea... What this conflict might be about. The first woman involved in the conflict is Eodius. Her name means prosperous. In that day, your name oftentimes was associated with your personality or your career or your success. And her name was Eodius, literally translated prosperous. I believe she was probably a very financially well-to-do businesswoman who had great confidence in her ability to make money and get things done, but little compassion toward the people that she was over to help her do it. I believe she was tough, demanding, hard-nosed, difficult, stubborn, spoke her mind, And I believe she was that way with the people that she worked with, even the people in the church. But she could get something done. I mean, she could get it done. You may not like how she gets there, but she's going to get there. The woman that she was in conflict with, the woman that she was having a problem with, is Syntite. Her name, interestingly enough, means pleasant. Eodius, prosperous, businesswoman, knows how to make money, knows how to get things done. And then Syntite, her name means pleasant. She was probably a very warm person, a very congenial person, sweet, a social butterfly, charming. In fact, she could probably talk the rattles off a rattlesnake. She was tender-hearted. She was soft-spoken. She was easygoing. It was hard to get her mad about anything. But when you stirred the bees in her nest, she would get angry. She would not forgive. She would carry a grudge, hold on to that grudge, and seek payback whenever she could. Now you've got these two women, very prominent women in the church at Philippi. In fact, they co-labored with the Apostle Paul when he was building that church. That's what he says in verse 3. But they have a disagreement. They have a dispute. They have a difference of opinion. There's a Donnybrook going on between them two. Wow. You ever been in a church where two people can't get along? Go to church long enough, you'll be in one. These two women could not get along. They could get along with the Apostle Paul, they worked with him. They apparently loved the Lord, they were born again Christians. Paul says their name is in the book of life, among others. Apparently they got along with people around them because they were able to get things done. But they couldn't get along with themselves. What was the conflict about? Well, like most conflicts, it wasn't over anything serious. It wasn't over anything important. It wasn't over anything high priority. As I said earlier, it wasn't an ethics issue. It wasn't a moral issue. It wasn't a legal issue. It wasn't a doctrinal issue or a Bible issue. They couldn't get along. Maybe it was because of envy and jealousy. Maybe Eodius looked at at Syntyche's personality and how everybody loved her, and she got jealous about it. Maybe Syntyche looked at Eodius's ability to make money, get things done, and she got envious about it. Maybe they just liked what each other was able to do, and they got mad about it because they couldn't do it. Maybe the conflict was over how to motivate people. Both of them got things done. They just got them done differently. Eodius, she got things done by kicking people in the tail. She booted them down the road. She got it done. Syntec got things done by patting people on the back and hugging their neck and telling them, I love you, honey. And, And maybe their way of wanting to do things started to clash. Maybe their envy and jealousy of each other's personality and possessions begin to clash. Maybe who's in charge was the issue. Because when Paul was in that church, he was in charge. There was no question about that. But the pastor of the church at Philippi has been ministering to Paul. He's been out of town. And so maybe both of them said, listen, now's our chance to move up into that number one position. Now's our chance to be the alpha female. Maybe Yodia said, I'm going to be it. Maybe Syntite said, I'm going to be it. And they were vying for that number one ladies' ministry position. Maybe they both took their eyes off the Lord. You know, when you start putting your eyes in the mirror and looking at yourself, that's not a good place to be. Our eyes should always be on the Lord. And they took their eyes off the Lord. Maybe they got it on themselves. Maybe they got filled with themselves instead of filled with the Spirit of God. Whatever the conflict was. And we don't know, but it it seems to have been something that we would call trite and irrelevant and minor and non-consequential. But nevertheless, it wasn't to them. But whatever it was, Paul appeals to them to get it right. He hears about it in prison. That's where he's at when he writes this letter. And with all the burdens that this man of God has on his shoulders, he puts in the letter to the church. And by the way, this is just for interest to you, no charge for this extra. This is a letter. This letter was actually sent to the church at Philippi and the pastor of the church would read it on Sunday morning. So these two ladies who are causing this conflict, they're going to be mentioned in the Sunday morning service. I might throw in a few names myself this morning. (laughs) My, some of you are... Turning green out there. <coughs> but Paul issues an appeal. Notice that word beseech. I beseech you, Eodius. I beseech you, Syntype. That word beseech literally means beg. This man of God is on his knees begging these two women to reconcile their differences for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the church. To get along and stay together. Now, the question now I want to finish this message out with is, how would he tell them to do it? Because I'm sure there was other correspondence that is not in the Bible that took place And what took place between those two women in the church at Philippi could take place here at Miles Road. No church is immune from it. It can happen. And so let's talk about how do you resolve conflict? How do you and I, how does this church go about resolving conflict should it happen here as it was happening in the church at Philippi? Four things I want to give you very quickly as we think about this resolving of conflict. First of all, I want you to know resolving conflict is hard work. It's not easy. That's why most conflict is never resolved. It's hard work. Notice it says in verse 2, I beg of you, Eodius." I beg of you, Syntyche, that they be, you be, of the same mind in the Lord. Now that word in could be through as well. I beseech you, Eodius. I beseech you, Syntyche, that you would come together in your minds, come together in your hearts, Coordinate your thoughts, coordinate your feelings, and do it through the Lord. Why not do it through the flesh? Because the flesh is stubborn. The flesh is arrogant. The flesh is selfish. The flesh digs its heels in and says, if anybody's going to change, you are because after all, I'm right, and you're wrong. That's why Paul understands that if these two women are going to resolve the conflict that they have, it's going to have to be through the power of the Lord. They can't do it in and of themselves. In fact, they don't want to do it in and of themselves. And then he mentions a yoke fella in verse 3. He says, I entreat you also, true yoke fella, help those women which labored with me in the gospel. Help them do what? Help them come back together and work together for the glory of God like they did at one time when I was with them. Conflict is not easy to resolve. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the two believers that are at conflict. It also sometimes requires a third person, a Christian man or a Christian woman stepping in and being an arbitrator or a mediator or a broker to try to bring two parties together that just can't see eye to eye. You see, whenever you have conflict with someone... It's not just the matter at hand that causes the conflict. There's a lot of things that are going on. Conflict is usually like going to the circus. If you go to the circus, how many rings do they have? Three. It's called a three-ring circus. It simply means there's action going on everywhere. It's not just in the center. But there's something going on over here. There's something going on over there. There's something here, there's something here, there's something there. And all these factors have a consequence. When there's a a conflict between two people in the church, you also got some other things going on. You got pride at work, which I mentioned earlier. Pride. I'm right, you're wrong. I'm walking with God, you're not. Pride is arrogant, pride is selfish, and so you got to work through pride. you also got to work through agitators. Agitators are part of the tater family. And they fan the flames and they stir the pot. They like to see a Donnybrook. They like to see a wrestling match. They like to see a boxing match. They want action. And so agitators stand on the sideline and they cheer people on. And then you got the side takers. They're also cheering for the person of their choice. And they all widen the conflict. So you got two people who can't get along. But they're filled with pride. That keeps them from coming together. Then you got agitators and side takers that are working the outside crowd. And soon two becomes twenty and twenty becomes two hundred. And then you got good people. A majority of people in the church are good people. They were at the church at Philippi. But they don't want to get involved. They just sit there like the Indians, the monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, say no evil. They don't get involved. And all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to sit and do nothing. And so you got that going on. And then you got the devil, which I've already mentioned, standing over in the shadows, stroking his beard with a big smile on his face, happy as he can be. Because he knows that two people who claim the name of Jesus, quarreling and arguing and fussing and fighting in the church, does more damage to the church than all the bootleggers, drug dealers, hate mongers, prostitutes, perverts, and abortionists in America all combined. So you need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, that resolving conflict is hard work physically and spiritually because there's a lot of other things that are going on and the parameters. Paul says you need to do it through the power of the Lord, and sometimes you need to do it through the intervention, invitation of godly men and women into the matter. Secondly, resolving conflict is the responsibility primarily of the two that's involved. Pastor, I'm in a conflict with somebody. You are. Know whose responsibility it is to get it right? Yeah, theirs. No, yours. They have a responsibility too. But the responsibility to resolve a conflict doesn't come to me. Doesn't come to the staff. Doesn't come to the leadership of the church. It primarily begins with the two people who are at conflict. That's why Paul says to Eodius and, and Syntyche, he says, get your minds together. What he's talking about is what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus talks about people who can't get along. And he says, When you can't get along with somebody, lay your worship to the side, quit your serving, quit your giving, quit all these other things you're doing that you think are make up for the conflict. And go and sit down with that person and resolve it. That's what Jesus said. Conflict is resolved by the two people that are involved in the conflict. Paul says, put your minds together. What he meant in the words means talk it out, come to some conclusions, reason it out, come to some conclusions. So if you're in a conflict with somebody, whose job is it is to take the initiative to resolve it? You. But again, the flesh gets in. I ain't doing it. They know where I'm at. You see, that's the way we get. Paul says, no, it's the two who are at conflict's responsibility to deal with. They're the ones who need to seek the Lord first. They're the ones who need to get the wisdom and power of God into their mind and into their life so that when they sit down, it's going to now be through the Lord. They need to be the ones who go with humility and with kindness and politeness and compassion to each other. Instead of bringing your sword and your club, you need to go with an open hand and an open heart. You need to go and clarify the problem. When two people sit down who are at odds, they need to be filled with the Spirit of God. That comes through prayer before they ever get there. They need to have humility and kindness and openness that maybe the problem is me. But whoever the, whatever the problem is, we're going to work it out. There needs to be clarity when you sit down and talk what the problem is. Do you know I, I actually counseled a couple Some years ago. And they were fussing and fighting, couldn't get along, saying unkind things to each other. Now, this is a husband and wife, but kind of the same principle. And I asked them, I said, Well, what's the problem? And do you know they couldn't tell me? They had been fussing and fighting so long that whatever they were fussing and fighting about, they had done forgot. They're just fussing and fighting. So there needs to be a clarification of the problem. You seek the Lord. You go with humility and kindness. You you sit down and you clarify the problem. Is this what I said or this is what I did? And you talk it out. You remember the goal of getting together. What's the goal of bringing two people together who are at odds? Yes, what is it? I win. No, that's not the goal. (laughs) The goal is to bring glory to God and to have Him in the midst of things. When He's in the house, there's going to be love and unity and harmony and holiness. And that's what you want in that meeting. That's the goal. You must be willing to forgive when you sit down and talk. You will never go anywhere as long as you want to harbor a grudge and get revenge. And it might be after you talk politely, kindly, humbly, graciously. It might be that after you've sought the Lord. It might be after you've continued to have discussions with the person you're at odds with. It might just be you can't get along. But you can agree to move on and be kind to one another cordial, polite, even if we can't work together, we can exist together. Thirdly, and we're talking about resolving this conflict, Eodius and Syntyche are in a war with each other. That war is threatening the thrival and survival of the church at Philippi. It's involving more and more people as they're picking sides and taking sides and getting involved in this free-for-all. Paul says you need to get together. It's going to take some work, but you got to do it. But you can do it through Christ Jesus. If you need some help, there's a yoke fella that can help you. You need to come together. Go to McDonald's. Go to Oscar's. Go somewhere and sit down over a cup of coffee and talk this thing out. Not with hollering and screaming and accusations and allegations. Like two reasonable people who have the same father and want to keep peace in the family. And then thirdly, Paul says as he's commenting If you can't do it but you need some help, get a yoke fella to come. In verse 3 he says, I entreat you also, true yoke fella, help those women who labored with me in the gospel but now can't get along. Now many people believe that yoke fella is not a general term. That Paul specifically is talking about somebody who had the characteristics, or the nickname Fellow, And there is some church history that suggests that this man's name was Sisgus. He was a genuine man of faith in the church at Philippi. He was wise, he was mature, he was holy, he was fair and balanced. He's the kind of man that if he sat down with you He would listen with his ears. He would listen with an open mind. He would listen with an open heart. All he's concerned about is the glory of God and bringing two people together in reconciliation and redemption. That's his agenda. And Paul is suggesting to these two women, if you can't work it out, why don't you invite this yoke fella to come in and be part of this discussion? He's objective, he's discerning, he's reconciling, he's redemptive. He's not going to spread the flames. He's not going to throw gasoline on the flames. He's not a hothead. He's not biased. He's not prejudiced. He's not jealous. He has no agenda except what God wants. Invite him into the discussion. And sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes you might need to ask your pastor, a staff minister, a Sunday school teacher, a deacon to come and sit down and just work things out with you. But don't invite him if you're not going to listen to him. (laughs) But Paul says it's important to bring others in if need be. And then lastly, I think the implication is if we don't solve conflicts in the church between two people. It's going to greatly affect the church's ability to do the work God would have it to do. Was it not Abraham Lincoln, but also isn't it Bible? that a house divided against itself can what not? Cannot stand. There's nothing that can stand long if there's conflict within. A nation will not last when it's a divided nation. America, you better listen. A church cannot stand when it's divided. It will eventually collapse. A home cannot last when it's divided. It will fall to the wayside. Where there is division, there will eventually be demise and destruction. And behind it, once again, is the devil. He loves to keep a stir going. Because when you got a stir going, when you got a conflict going, when you got a Donnybrook going, when you got war going on between people, wherever those people may be, it ultimately will bring about the collapse of everything. You say, I don't believe that, Pastor. Study history. And look at churches around our area who have fallen apart because they could not deal with the internal matters, not external matters. Whenever people are fighting one another, they're not winning souls. They're not giving graciously. They're not serving efficiently. They're not worshiping sincerely. They're not praying victoriously. Conflict in the church is like sand in an engine. It will gum it up, grime it up, slow it down, and shut it down. If it's not dealt with. I'm taking for granted that these two ladies listened to what Paul had to say. That they met... Maybe a third party was brought in. They worked everything out. Whether they have stayed friends and worked together, I don't know. But they didn't work against each other anymore. They didn't say unkind things about each other anymore. They agreed to disagree. They agreed to stay and do the work of God, though they might do it at a distance. I close this message by asking you some questions. Because remember, this isn't just a story about the past, is it? It could be a story about the present. Or it could be a story that we need to remember in the future. Some of you have been taking notes, and I'm glad you are, because one day you might find yourself needing these notes. Are you at conflict with somebody right now? Are you at conflict with somebody... In your home, in your church, maybe in the community. It's not something that's big, but it is big. It's not an ethical issue or a moral issue or a legal issue or a doctrinal issue. Those things are serious, and sometimes we have to take a strong stand in those areas. But most other things are can be negotiated out because they're basically personality problems, our way of doing something problems. Is there somebody right now you're not getting along with? Have you asked God to forgive you for the part that you have played in making it that way? Yeah, you. I didn't do nothing. Yeah, you did. Have you also asked God to help you forgive that person who did it to you? You say, Pastor, you don't know what they said about me. It doesn't matter. You don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. If you're going to accept God's forgiveness for the part that you've played, you've got to be willing to give forgiveness to the part that others have played. You can't ask God to forgive you for a million dollars of debt and then you not forgive your brother for 50 cents, he won't repay you. There has to be forgiveness. And by the way, did you notice how that forgiveness works? What do you got? The cross. Then you sit down and you talk with that person. You sit down and actually eye to eye, listen to your pastor, not through texting not through emails, not through telephone calls, not through all that other stuff that creates a massive confusion. Sit down with somebody, old school, face-to-face, looking at each other, and talk. Don't holler, don't scream, don't raise your fist. don't hit them in the head with a baseball bat. Don't bring 9999999 numbers with you. Or 88888 numbers with you. You don't need the marine and the hawk. Just sit down and talk. With humility. I could be the problem. I could be the problem. Politeness, kindness, softness, tenderness. Leave your sword at home. Bring a cookie with you. Try to work it out. If you can't work it out, invite somebody to come and be part of it with you. But get it over and get it settled. And if you can't do all of that, then just agree to disagree. And I'll sit over here and they'll sit over here. They'll work in this area, and I'll work in that area, and we'll just be fine. We agree to disagree, but we'll get along, and we'll exist. Why? With the glory of God. Heads are bowed, and eyes are